Welcome to Faithful Doubt. My name is Jordan, and today we're going to talk about the Old Testament. For today's episode, our question is, why do we follow some Old Testament laws and not others? This is a hot conversation. I think a lot of people have asked this question themselves, um, and it's it's really important for Christians to understand this. It's also really important to be able to share this with uh, those of you who aren't Christian. Um, perhaps it's very confusing, uh, and a lot of times Christians get called hypocrites, which we are, but a lot of times we get called hypocrites because... Uh, we don't follow some of the Old Testament laws, and we follow others. So why is that? You know, where does where does that come from, and and why do we find that acceptable? What laws are are okay to follow? What laws don't we follow anymore? And what's the reason behind that? This is a great conversation to have. Um, but in order to understand the Old Testament laws, we need to understand how uh, they're divided into three categories. Uh, it's three divisions of laws. Okay, so. In the Old Testament, you have what's called the moral law, you have the civil law, and you have the ceremonial law. And I'm going to go through each one of those. Um, and maybe they sound uh, like maybe you've heard that before. Maybe it it, it sounds self, um, like it, it defines itself, but I'm going to go ahead and define it for us. Um, and the reason there's three divisions of law is because throughout the Old Testament, the Old Testament is about the history of Israel and God's chosen people. Okay, so when God creates Adam and Eve and they're cast out of the garden um, for sinning, um, we see them have Cain, Abel, and Seth and other children. And from that, from those children, we get eventually we get to uh, Abraham and uh, Moses, and we have all these major fathers of Israel, if you will. And um, so with each of those major father figures for the nation of Israel, we have different laws introduced, such as the Mosaic law, which is the, the law given to Moses, the uh, Davidic uh, covenant or law, which is the covenant given to David. And so you have all these different laws throughout time given in the Old Testament, and eventually we break them down into three divisions. And so what is the moral law? Where does the moral law come from? Well, the moral law comes uh, most famously from the Ten Commandments. Uh, these are uh, the laws, the commandments given to Moses. Um, but most importantly, uh, and that's found in the book of Exodus, by the way, uh, most importantly, the moral law is designed to reveal the heart and character of God for us so that we can know what is good and what isn't and what he desires for our life and what and what he doesn't desire as well. And so the moral law is is meant to help us understand who God is, how he wants us to live. Um, and this is why you have and they're usually given in positive or negative commands, right? So do this, don't do this. Um, that that is the moral law. And the moral law is still uh, it still applies to us today. It's still in effect. And I'm going to explain why here in a minute. But just remember, moral law designed to reveal God's character um, and most famously comes from the Ten Commandments. There's other, other laws in the Old Testament that are also considered moral law. Uh, civil law. Civil laws were laws given strictly and specifically to the nation of Israel. Israel is this small nation of people 
they're chosen by God to be his light in the world, to reveal who God is, the one true God, Yahweh, in the world, right? And so Yahweh gives Israel specific guidelines on how to conduct their living. And that is primarily to set them apart and distinguish them from the nations surrounding Israel. There's a lot of pagan nations around Israel that worship false gods, false idols, and they're doing horrible, evil things. This does not mean that Israel doesn't do horrible and evil things. In fact, Israel quite often does horrible and evil things and God punishes them for that. But he gives them a set of laws to, on how they are supposed to conduct themselves as a people, as a nation. And we find a lot of these in Deuteronomy, like Deuteronomy 24, if you want to look that up. Perfect uh, example of some of the civil laws. Now, civil laws don't necessarily apply to us today because they were given to Israel as a nation state. They were a theocratic state that worshiped one true God. There, there, there isn't a nation state on earth that exists like that anymore. Um, we may worship, uh, like for America in instance, yes, we have been a primarily historically a Christian nation, but not everyone worships that worships Yahweh, the, the one true God. So uh, we, we believe in freedom of religion in America. And so if a nation state like that doesn't exist, it is really hard for civil laws that God gives in Deuteronomy to be in effect because a lot of the civil laws are punishment for the breaking of moral or ceremonial law. So such as uh, anyone that disobeyed Sabbath or, um, you know, how do you deal with someone who is going through divorce? How do you deal with someone who has debt? Those are civil laws. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it kind of shows you how to uh, conduct or to resolve uh, those laws, the moral law that's been broken. The thing about a civil law is it's based on the moral law. Therefore, it does reveal God's character and how he wants us to live. So civil laws are good, but they don't necessarily apply today, which leads us to ceremonial law. And this, these were the laws that were given to Israel to show the people how to worship God, how to worship God, right? Um, these can be found in Leviticus, and this is where we get food laws, sacrificial law, um, atonement, offerings, uh, regulations for priests, their responsibilities. You have a, a myriad of, of, of laws given on how to worship God. And so the most famous was pro would probably be the food laws, right? And I think this confuses a lot of people. So in Judaism today, Jews still do not eat um, unclean animals, such as pork, right? Uh, that was given in the Old Testament to the people of Israel because in order to be in the presence of God and to worship him, God's people had to cleanse themselves of their sin. They had to be pure and holy before they could enter into the presence of God and worship him. And so there's all these laws on how to prepare yourself to enter into that presence. Otherwise, if you can't enter into his presence, or if you do and you're unclean, you will, you will be killed. And so we see that in the Old Testament multiple times, uh, such as Uzzah, who touches the Ark of the Covenant, where God is 
you know, God's presence rests in the Ark of the Covenant and he touches it to prevent it from falling, uh, which is a noble thing to do. But God's command was do not touch. You cannot touch the Ark. Um, and when he does, he's killed immediately. And so, you know, some people find that unfair. Um, it's not that God's punishing him for breaking a law. It's God is so pure and holy and good. Sin and evil cannot exist in his presence. And so it's just wiped away. And so this makes you think, well, if I'm sinful and I have unclean, uh, and if I'm unclean and I enter into the presence of God, that's exactly why I will be destroyed because God will not allow evil and sin to exist in his presence. It just can't. It's his character. He's too good to allow evil to exist in his presence. And so we have these ceremonial laws to help us be in his presence and relationship with him. And if you start to really think about the ceremonial law in that we have to have an offering in order to be in God's presence, we have to be clean to be in God's presence, you know, physically and uh, spiritually, we have to be clean, right? Um, there's, there's all these laws on how we approach God. Um, we need a priest to absolve us of our sin so that we can, and be our intercessor so that we can be in the presence of God. And you start to realize everything in the ceremonial law, everything in the Old Testament is pointing to someone. It's not pointing to us. It's pointing to Christ, the Son. We need an ultimate atonement. Uh, we need an ultimate offering and sacrifice to clean us and, or to cleanse us and to prepare us to be in the presence of God. We need an ultimate priest, a high priest who can intercess for us so that we can communicate with God and be in relationship with him. And this is exactly what Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God. He is the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate atonement, our high priest and intercessor. So he's going to do all these things for us. And this is why the ceremonial law no longer exists. It's not in effect. It does not apply to us today because Jesus fulfills that portion of the law for you and me. And so the moral law is still very much in effect, and it applies to us because it reveals God's heart and his character to us and how he wants us to live. The civil law, if we lived in a nation state like Israel, would be in effect. It would help us to deal with people who are in debt and how we resolve that, or people that are murdered or commit adultery or want divorce, how we resolve those issues. God has laws for how we handle that, but we don't exist in that kind of world anymore or state, nation state. So they're not really in effect. And the ceremonial law has been fulfilled by Christ so that you and I, we no longer have to sacrifice uh, a clean animal to, to, to worship God. We no longer have to have a priest cleanse us and absolve us of our sin so that we can enter into the presence of God. Jesus Christ has done that for you and me. And so for those of you who aren't Christians, I hope this makes sense. This is why Jesus is so important. And why Christianity, it's all about Jesus. It's, it's all about him. Everything in the Old Testament is ultimately pointing towards Jesus, the ultimate high priest, the ultimate atonement, the ultimate sacrifice. He is the one who absolves us of our sin so that now 
that relationship between us and God is restored. I can now be in his presence all the time through worship, prayer, reading his word. Jesus is the word become flesh and we're lost without Jesus. And that is why he comes to earth to reveal to us how we can be with God again. He gives us a way back to the Father that we can never hope to find without him. And this is the beauty and the grace of Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament reveals it to us. So the, the, the problem with Israel is they make these laws. They, make, they make laws to uh, support God's law, if that makes sense. Um, they start making their own laws around uh, ceremonial laws. So they basically put up a fence of laws around God's law so that you don't even, you can't even break God's law. It's man's law. And Jesus comes and says, you know, Sabbath was not made for man. Man was made, or excuse me, man was not made for Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. What does that mean? The Sabbath was not created so that, so that we, when we break it, we need to be punished. The Sabbath was created because God wants us to find rest and have rest. I mean, God rested during creation and he's giving us a way and permission to rest and just enjoy the beauty of creation. So the, the problem is us, right? We're, we are the problem. We are the ones who sin. We are the ones who create all these extra laws uh, we become so focused on the law that we forget what it was designed to do. And that is to reveal God to us for, for how we can love and worship him. And so Jesus comes in the perfect form. Uh, the word becomes flesh and he dies for us on the cross, provides that ultimate sacrifice. So, and he, and he tears the veil, right? The veil was torn. We can now enter into the presence of God uh, because of Jesus Christ. I hope this explains a little bit more to you uh, why we follow some Old Testament laws and not others. Uh, so uh, the, the important question here, why do we follow some of them and, and not others? Well, because some of them don't apply today. How do we know this? Well, you have to read the entirety of Scripture to understand. Um, and this is why existing in a community of believers, of Christians, is so important, because we have to be able to edify one another. And so some laws we follow because they're still... Uh, in application today. Others, they're not. Uh, go ahead and leave your thoughts below. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. Uh, thanks for watching and I'll see you guys next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be part of Faithful Doubt, please join our Facebook group. If you would like to support Faithful Doubt, please like, follow, and subscribe to all of our social media platforms. You can also listen to the Faithful Doubt podcast. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you guys next time.